The topics and opinions expressed on the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4WN Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4WN Radio. Radio Tony with Tony Lontis. Author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony. Your safe space for tough conversations, exposing secrets and talking about trauma and recovery. Radio Tony. Building resilience, talking trauma. Radio Tony. Live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Radio Tony. On W4WN, a platform for the unheard. Hello. And good Hello. morning, everyone. You are live on air with Tony Lontas on Radio Tony. And welcome to another show. We have today a special uh, return guest. Simone has come back to answer your questions from last week. And we have a wonderful author by the name of Christine Stowe joining us for the show. Now, just a reminder that you can listen to Radio Tony live, of course, and you can catch up on any shows that you've missed by jumping on to RadioTony.com and you'll find links to all the shows. You'll also find information about all our guests and how to connect with them should you wish to do so. And during the break, I'm going to put up links to all of our websites and our socials. I'd love for you to follow, like, connect with me on socials. And today we have the gorgeous Simone Filer joining us to answer the questions that you had from a previous show. And before we do, some of the questions relate to um, what was happening in the US at the time of the show. And one of the comments was, there was a lot of unrest in the US right now. I don't think that that's probably changed in the two weeks since we did that show. I, we see that uh, the US is continuing to experience um, great levels of unrest and you have a sitting president who is refusing to call the election, though it is completely obvious that he has lost. There is no voter fraud all of his challenges have fallen over in court with only one surviving. So that's the reality of the situation. Um, uh, one of the other comments was, it seems like uh, the mighty are falling and the US is not looking well at this time. You're absolutely correct. Um, you were once shy. Yes, I was once shy and I remain an introverted personality. So when I talk about introvert, that means that simply I refill my cup with quiet time alone. So whilst I love talking to you guys on the radio, at the end of the day, I need chill time and quiet time. And that's how I come on the radio, bright and bubbly, and talking to you each and every week. Um, now, I want to head to Simone. Good morning, Simone. Good morning, Tony. How are you? I'm good, darling. Are you okay? I'm okay. I've had a bit of a mad morning this morning rushing around and, um, yeah, and I just got your call coming through thinking, oh, that's right. I'm so glad I was here. I just things came up. I've got three kids, so there was a few dramas this morning. But on the whole, I'm feeling really good. It's my birthday tomorrow. So, um, yeah, oh my they've God, got so something. so many wonderful people are Bought, are born in December. Um, yes, happy we are. early birthday, darling. Oh, thank you, thank you. Well, I'm I'm sort of a little bit 
Well, I'm very excited. I've got my three that have plan that are planning something. So, and oh, I have oh. no idea what it is. <laughs> so, you reckon those twins are up to something for your birthday? Well, they were sitting on the couch last night together and they looked like they were coming up with a plan. So I said, what are the naughty <laughs> twins doing? And they said, go back downstairs, mummy. <laughs> like, okay. Oh, I said, as so long cute. as I don't have to I'm... jump out of an aeroplane, I am not going parachuting, all right? <laughs> <laughs> so we'll Are they finished see. school? Yes, they have. have, have... They... They're done and oh, dusted cool. year 11, so next year high school, uh, next year grade 12, final year. Where? Yeah, that's a bit of a scary year. Hopefully they won't have to contend with uh, coronavirus shutdowns and homeschooling too much to get them through grade yeah. 12, hey? Definitely. Let's keep our fingers crossed. It's been pretty traumatic globally this year, hasn't it? It has been. It's not been fun at all. So I've mm. got some fabulous questions from our listeners from our show together a couple of weeks back. So awesome. um, one of them was, what formal training did you do to get into radio? Great question, uh, by the way. Yeah, it is a great question. Um, I actually, the only training I did was work experience at the local radio station in my hometown. So yeah. I didn't actually do any formal training as such, but I think the first few years being regional radio and just being sort of put in the deep end, that was my training. I just learnt on the fly and, you know, for three, four years possibly working in regional radio, I did everything from um, announcing to production to music to, yeah, all sorts. So that was my training. I think nowadays though there are, um, you can go and learn how to to work in radio, but yeah, I didn't do any formal training as such. But your on the job training was pretty extensive, though. Like you learnt all that you needed to know whilst working on the job. Yeah, exactly, definitely, and put in very long hours. Like if you were listening last time I spoke yes. with you, you know there were yeah, I put in. Yeah, probably 80 hours a week, I'd say. So there was – it wasn't exactly formal, but, yeah, there was definitely a lot of hours hands-on training. So – but I loved it. So that there was does, no drama. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That does seem to be common when you talk to um, radio announcers and particularly radio producers. I know our gorgeous rebel who produces this show for us um, works incredibly long hours um, and I like to say that I couldn't do what I do without her being here um, and she's amazing and I absolutely appreciate the hard work that she puts into a show but it can if you're thinking about radio it can be long hours unless you do um, something like what I'm doing and create your own show and then you're just doing one show show at a time which is a bit more manageable and when I say a bit more manageable depends how many shows you've got during the day I guess yeah and I've got you've two got live lots. shows today <laughs> I'm averaging I also want to give a shout out yeah, go I was oh, yeah, I was going to give a shout out to Rebel as well, and all like the producers, they actually yes. make the radio station. You know, their their hard work behind the scenes, you just couldn't do it without them. They, you know, they are the bread and butter, if you like, of the radio station. If you ask me, so well done to you, Rebel. Uh, I I I love Rebel. And I'm really appreciative and I try and tell her every week how amazing she is because, again, I couldn't do what I do without her managing the things that she does in the background for, him, for me and making sure that my guests come on and then producing the podcast version of the live show afterwards. It, uh, that For me, um, it, that's just bliss just yeah. bliss so yes thank you rebel um now the next question that the listeners wanted to know what does in store radio mean okay well uh it's basically uh the music and radio that you hear when you go shopping in supermarkets here in australia so mm -hmm. in store for me i do iga and drake's supermarkets and also news agencies around the nation so 
So I record all my um, bits and pieces from home and it's uploaded to a server and and then it's played out over those supermarkets. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I didn't, like, I'm... Again, I'm learning all the time the different components that go into how we hear things across the planet. Um, And, yeah, I'd never thought about in-store radio before, but absolutely now I'm going to be listening and going, oh, is that some on? (laughs) (laughs) So what did you say? It was in um, Drake's. Which um, stores? Drake's food stores, IGA, and supermarkets, but they're independent supermarkets, so I can't actually give you a name. So, um, And a big shout-out to all of those guys as well. I love doing that job. But it's really increasing in popularity. Like um, I know Coles Radio, their radio is actually number one on the digital band here in Australia, so they're doing a good job. Who would have thought the most popular radio station was Coles? Um, But, yeah, Bunnings have got it. Bunnings have got it. Yeah, I know, right? Um, but the music director there must be, you know, he's or she is amazing because it is really good. Um, but I have heard um, more recently Bunnings, super, um, the uh, yeah, hard, yeah. hardware place has got it, yeah, yes. has got it and uh, Priceline has also got theirs up and running. So it's, you know, it's growing in popularity because it's a... Yeah. That's really cool. I'm going to make it, <laughs> I'm going to make a conscious effort to listen now. Mm. <laughs> okay, so our, our next question is, how much do you charge to do audiobooks? That might be a little difficult okay, well, to answer. Yeah, well, it, it kind of is because it varies on um, the length of how long your book's going to be. So generally what right. I do is a word count um, and yes. then I can quote you via word count. So, you know, 40,000 words as compared to 100,000 words, there'll be a bit of a difference obviously in the time that you need to record it um, and the time that it takes to produce it. So every hour that you sit there and narrate it, it will take two hours to produce that thing. So, again, a shout-out to Rebel because <laughs> that's where yeah. the hard work comes in producing. But, yeah, so I can't give you an exact figure, but, yeah, that's a ballpark. I've, <clears throat> for Sorry. the listeners, I've actually just put um, Simone's contact details up in the chat box so that you can email or connect with her directly to ask those. I know that when I produced my audiobook, it was incredible value for money. And in terms of those uh, in the US wanting to buy Australian products, it's even better value for you because your uh, American dollars buy so much um, Australian Mm. um, in Australia. So for any US authors looking at producing an audio book, and by the way, you don't have to have physically written a book to do an audio book, do you, Simone? No, not necessarily. You don't have to have a print printed version out there. Um, you can go straight to audiobook. And yeah, we we discussed it last week that if you want to come in and and yeah, yeah just you know tell your story, even if you haven't written it down, you can do that as well. We can talk about doing a podcast or an audio book. There's so many possibilities. Lots, yeah, yeah. Yeah, And the the other thing that we talked about last time was that you'd done a bit of um, the elder generation putting down their stories in audio form for their grandchildren and future generations. Um, So that's another idea. I know that um, I've heard people talk talking about gifting that to their grand, particular grandparent as a way to make sure that their stories stayed on in history, which mm. is a lovely idea, isn't it? Yeah, it's a fabulous idea. Yes, it's, yeah, I think that's got to, that'll take off because that's actually being able to listen to your grandparents, great-grandparents or even further on audio and yes. that will be so special. I would love to hear um, my grandparents telling their stories. That would be, oh, yeah. how amazing would that be? I know. I was thinking the same thing and thinking, gosh, I wish I could still hear um, granddad's voice. That would be so special for me. Um, Yeah. yeah, So thinking of Christmas, what a lovely idea um, to do something like that for Christmas. Now, the next question is, do you voice the books uh, or produce the books? I know the answer to this, but you go. (laughs) 
Okay. Well, I have voiced a few of the books. So obviously with my background in radio, I can, I'm, I've got, um, I can narrate, um, but mainly I do yes. produce. So yeah, I probably prefer producing because I do like to encourage the author to narrate their story because they know it best. And I feel yeah. that's one of my strengths is getting, you know, that really good narration out of the author. So I prefer to do that. If someone's incredibly shy, um, I'll vo- I, I can voice it, but I've got a selection of voices as well. So I, and a, a selection of accents, American, English, a whole yes. bunch of them. So whatever, whatever you want, I can certainly do that. But yeah, on the whole, I prefer to produce. I will narrate, but um, yeah, happy to produce and get the author in mainly to do the, to, to do the um, yeah. narration. And you can do it remotely as well. You can do it from your place, providing you've got, yeah. (laughs) Everything's possible. uh, I know. I'm actually incredibly grateful that you finally convinced me to narrate my own book because I was never going to do it. I was going to get a voice actress to do it. But Simone kept saying, you can do it. I'll be with you. I'll help you. I'll teach you. And she did. And she was beautifully, wonderfully supportive and got me through the book. And I'll be incredibly grateful because that was a stepping stone into radio, which I love. I know. How far have you um, come? A full (laughs) art. You're amazing. Congratulations, Tony. You're an absolute star and an inspiration, I've got to say. I mean, you know, from you saying, I don't know if I can do that, to look at you now. I look. I never thought that I would develop such a love for the spoken word in my middle age, and I have to tell you guys a, a little secret. I've just signed with Binge TV Networks in the US for my content in 2021, which means that um, any smart streaming TV device anywhere in the world will be able to see and hear Tony TV and any of the content that I've produced thus far. So that's wow, a little Tony. bit of a <laughs> That is so awesome. I am so stoked for you. Well done. That <laughs> so is so mean cool. That- the podcast versions of these shows will go onto that network as well in 2021. So there's quite a bit of technical setup and organisation of the channel, which I am in at the moment. But just for my beautiful uh, W4WN listeners, I just that's my little that's my little secret surprise for Christmas and I'm pretty excited about it. A little scared as I usually am. Like you guys um, say, you know, are you shy? Well, I, I, I still get scared. I actually get terrified a lot of the time, but I do it anyway because that means that I can tell more people about the people that I talk to and get them out to the world and that's pretty exciting for me that's what makes me wake up of a morning and um and again you are part of that Simone Fuller from Brisbane Audiobook Production um now quickly one last question before I let you go do you have to copyright material before putting it out there another great question it is a good question, a, a tricky question. Well, co- copyright's really yes. different. Now, if um, it depends what you want to use. So if you're y- using someone else's work, then you definitely need to get the copyright on it. So you need to mm-hmm. pay to either use it. Um, in, in Australia, we use Am- Amcos uh, APRA for music rights. Um, yes. Basically, I mean, if you're talking about audiobooks, I don't take any of the rights after you've recorded your audiobook with me. So basically, once you pay me for the production of it, it's yours. You own the copyright. The thing is with the copyright, um, fundamentally across the board, it's the person who pays for the recording is the owner of the copyright. So whoever pays for, you know, the the, um, recording of that piece, whether it's your audio book or narration or music, um, they own that copyright. So if you're paying for it, then you own the copyright. So, but I can help you. If you want to use music or sound effects that you need to get the copyright on, we can, I can help you, you know, find the person or the company that you need to pay to get that copyright. Fantastic. 
Simone, I know you have a very busy morning and I've already kept you longer than I intended. Thank you so much for coming back on the show and answering our beautiful listeners' questions about audiobook production. Just a reminder, I've put Simone's uh, email in the chat box for you to link with her and ask her any questions she loves to answer your questions she is amazing to work with and i really encourage you to make sure that you connect with her if you have any questions at all around audiobook production or anything to do with audio production and the voice simone thank you so much for coming back on radio tony today i'm going to let you go and enjoy your busy day hugs for those beautiful girls and we will talk again soon my dear Oh, I've lost them on. Bye, darling. So I have joining us now the beautiful Christine Stowe. Christine is the author of more, more than just Imogen's mother. Um, Imogen's, not just Imogen's mother, is a touching memoir, one woman's journey from despair to triumph through discovering the joy and wonder of having a special needs child. When the chips are down and the money is running out, this mother raises herself up and the and her bootstraps her way through government agencies, the healthcare system, the public perception of life with a service, dedication and love. What's a mother to do when she receives a devastating diagnosis concerning her child? This mother becomes the change she wants to see in the world. Most people have never heard of Swartz-Jamel disease, but this mother discovers its harrowing details when her newborn daughter, Imogen, is diagnosed with a condition. As the mother of a normal, healthy toddler and a newborn with special special needs rather, life for her becomes a blur of hospitals, surgeries, worry and fear. With the help of a strong loving family, doctors, therapists and social workers, she slowly starts to make sense of the nightmare surrounding her family. In dealing with the condition, Christine has her own battles to fight, depression, deep anger and overwhelming fear. She channels it into her quest to speak uh, to others and for others who are faced with the journey into disability. As she moves forward into life as a mother, advocate and caretaker, she decides neither she nor Imogen will be defined by the disability. In a bold move, she bolsters her courage and runs for the local political office. Through this journey, you will discover that there is more to disability than, well, just disability. This is one mother's journey. After establishing a support group standing in the Victorian state election, she goes on to be elected to her local council, where she continues to advocate today for others who find themselves in the same position. Christine's story will bring you a boost of joy that will not only brighten your day, but illuminate your life. Good morning, Christine. Hi, Tony. It's lovely to be here. I'm so excited that you were able to come and join me on Radio Tony today. As would this week would be, um, our normal guest um, pulled out at the last minute, so I'm scrambling around thinking who, what wonderful author can I have on this week? And thankfully and graciously, Christine agreed to come on. So, Christine... We've been doing a little bit of work together late, lately and I know the story about your gorgeous daughter Imogen, but I would like you to tell our listeners this morning Imogen's story. Yeah, I think um, when you say that, you know, I filled in for somebody else, I think when you're dealing with disability, you become a contortionist, <laughs> you become flexible, <laughs> you become, and one of my first speeches that I made on the steps of parliament I said you know to look after my daughter and my caring responsibilities I've become a ballerina I learned to do pirouettes and bat flips because you do have to you do have to be flexible and and do all these different things that you never imagined you could do before yes Yes, um, and I'm very appreciative to be on the end of that flexibility today, I can tell you. Um, just for our listeners, in the chat 
box, I've actually put up the way to connect with um, Christine and I've also put up a link to her book where you can get a free chapter downloaded um, and read about the start of Imogen and Christine's journey. So, Christine, let's go back to the beginning about um, Imogen's diagnosis. How did that happen and what was it like for you? So if we go back, 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 I was working in forensic science and then I worked my way to become national technical advisor in a corporate organisation. So I'd taken maternity leave, you know, I had the ideal life. We were renovating a house, double-fronted Victorian, white picket fence, everything was perfect and, and what I'd worked towards. So taken time off to have my second daughter and I had care planned so that I could, you know, bung them into care and head back to that corporate treadmill. And yeah, and I was at the child and maternal health nurse you know, as you do with your, your regular meetings to check everything's going okay. And I could see that, that she was working really hard this day with trying to get Imogen to follow a toy and I was saying, well, that's okay, she's not really into it today. And then she said, she's not meeting her milestones. I need to send you to a paediatrician. And there was another mother from my mother's group who'd come at the same time and we'd plan to have coffee after that with our two you know, toddler and, and newborn babies. And I just remember it was a bleak, cloudy day and the whole bottom fell out of my world. What did that mean? What was life going to look like? You know, I had this corporate trajectory planned out, you know, renovating the house and, you know, care for the, for the two girls to go back to work and everything just, the bottom just fell out of my world. And then I found myself on a on a treadmill or a, or a merry-go-round. It felt like a merry-go-round I couldn't get off. You know, see this paediatrician, see this health professional. And at one stage I had 12 health and para-health professionals involved in Imogen's care. So it was just like wow. dizzy, yeah, dizzy blur you know, see this person, see that person. And so when you first find out there's something not quite right, it's it's pretty overwhelming. And I did I did fall into depression and the social worker said, we were really worried it, about you at one stage. But mm. I, I started to accept the care and accept the support that was offered to me. And then I started to think, well, how can I piece back together my life? What, yeah. what can I do? And when Imogen was 18 months old, I can't, I can't remember what took me to do it, but I put her into yeah. childcare. It was, I think it was at the insistence of the, the social workers, and I put her into childcare. And yes. I think, I think, what was I thinking? I put my <laughs> tiny you know, with special needs into childcare. But it allowed me to get back, it allowed me to get into a part-time casual role at the local hospital. And for image, uh -huh. if I think back and I think, you know, what was I thinking? But it was really <laughs> good for her because she was she was with normal children and sitting yes. around the table and they were I remember one day they the carers at the childcare centre said to me, oh, she really likes those biscuits, doesn't she? And I'm like, oh, my God, you gave her biscuits. Like I didn't give her anything that wasn't mushed. But because she was sitting around <laughs> the table with other kids, like they were just yes. picking up the biscuits and so she was doing the same. So, you know, oh, it's very cool. Yeah, it is. It is very cool. So I think it's important to treat them as normal as you possibly can to you know, yes. to, to give them as normal as experience. And that's what I've set out to do is to give both of my girls, I've got an older daughter as well, and I often say we need to, I need to look out, you need to look after the siblings as much or more because they're prone to, you know, alcohol, mental health issues. Yes, as well. yes. And I'm, I, need, I need to make my older daughter the best that I possibly can because, 
we need to make sure that they don't fall into those traps. Imogen's already a statistic and we don't need two statistics. So yeah. Yeah. absolute best I can. But, yeah, Imogen, you know, loved going to childcare. She loved being with these other kids and they all, you know, looked after her. And, and you, you got a break too because we forget with um, children with disability, it's the carer and that kind of usually falls to mum. Um, and you are completely consumed by the care of this special needs child and you don't get a break, do you? No, you don't get a break. Um, and, this, you know, social workers and or saying, you know, you need to take a break and you need to get support and I think it's really important to listen to them because if you don't, now... Well, my ex left now 10 years ago, so it's just me. Yeah. Now, if there's any carers listening yeah. or, you know, and they're newly diagnosed with their, their child and the social workers or supports are saying take these supports, I'd highly advise them to do that because it's it's incredibly become apparent to me that if I fall over, I'm imagining a support system, yeah. everything falls over. So it's yeah. really important to look after yourself as much as you can so that you can be that support system and to look after the siblings and make sure the siblings are the best that they can be as well. Christine, how hard was it for you to accept both the diagnosis and then further along to accept help for you and Imogen? So accepting the diagnosis, it's incredibly hard. I remember to a support group, parent to parent group, and seeing the other parents with children, and they'd gone back to work, and thinking in my head, that's never going to be me. I'm never going to be able to get back into work. <laughs> All these things. Oh. And looking at the other children, and Imogen's going to grow out of this. You know, I remember seeing another child in a wheelchair at at the local shopping centre, and thinking that's not going to be us. She's going to grow out of this. This is going to grow. But she didn't grow out of it, so I came to accept it and accept the, the supports. I can't quite remember when that was. Um, <laughs> I, I, and then I took up the role as Northern Region Disability Coordinator because I wanted to learn as much about disability as I could. Yes. I didn't know mm-hmm. anything. So I didn't – I wasn't really taking the job I guess I did take the job as a like as the job, but I, it was an opportunity so I could learn. And so I got to talk to a lot of people in the northern region of Melbourne, that is. And yeah. from there, some people asked me to stand in the state election, and that's where I yeah the speech on the steps of Parliament about what it's yes. like you like doing pirouettes, handstands to work around the supports that you do get. So yeah. But it, yeah. The Northern Region Disability Network that they asked me to stand in the in the state election. Well done, you. Well done. So mm. I wondered if we could briefly tell the audience what Schwarzschild disease is, how prevalent it is, and is it um, a hereditary or is it a genetic disorder? So Schwarzschild is a genetic disorder. So that means that you can't. You can't, you know, have medication or something to to cure it, if you like it. So it's in every every. It's cell. not fixable. Not fixable, no. So, and it means that it was Schwarzschild is the name of the two scientists who identify the genes. So that's why it's mm-hmm. called Schwarzschild syndrome. It means mm-hmm. that Imogen has stiff muscles, so she's stiff. That means that. Her, you know, like her, her mouth muscles don't work properly, so she can't speak and she can't chew. So, and she can't, she doesn't walk or talk. So, and yeah. it's also meant that it's pulled her, her muscles have pulled her bones out of alignment. So, she's had to have pins put in it and things like that. So, to keep her, you know, in a, in a way that she can survive, she's had a, a rod put yeah. in her back. To, to make her be able to sit up because if 
if she didn't, then she'd be leaning over and all her organs would be crushed. So that's that's the hard side of it, I guess. But she's got a beautiful yeah. personality. And I was on this core yeah. trajectory that meant that I was running, 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 you know, focused on work and having Imogen and I had to stop and I yeah. had to re reinvent myself, but it meant that I could stop and smell the roses. It meant it's yeah. like she's meant that I could redefine myself and I've learnt, yeah. I've said that I've learnt, she has extra ability because she's taught me to do things differently than yes. and to look at things in a different way. So that's why I think when we, we just fill in the gaps, we, you know, do things differently when you're yes. dealing with disability. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, back to it, it's a genetic um, disorder. Is yeah. it passed in your genes, or how how did it how did did they do they know how this worked out for Imogen? Um, so it's a um, recessive gene, so it has to be passed on by uh -huh. both sets of parents. But it hasn't definitively been diagnosed, or hasn't definitively been identified. So it's not. We're not really at that point. We had genetic testing done a long so time ago. So they don't know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and, and how prevalent is it? It's um, There's probably it's like one in a million. And Imogen seems to have a, yeah. a more severe form of it. So Aww. she's in a wheelchair. But she she seems to know what's going on. She, you know, There was a strange man came to her house one time trying to sell me something and she was looking at him like, is he all right? Is this bloke all right? <laughs> In terms of the genetic connection, what does that mean for your older daughter? I guess. Does it mean anything? I don't know that it means anything. We really don't know definitively. And yeah. it's a very rare yeah. condition and there has to be two, two genes. So it would, it would yeah. still be a very rare occurrence. Of, Thank goodness. You know, yeah. Mm. So um, for our audience, Imogen is now 20, isn't she? Yes. Yes, yeah, she's 20. And she's still, she's still at home with you and you manage your wonderfully busy life around caring for her? Yes. And I've decided that she will stay home with me. I won't put her in a home or something so she'll yeah with me okay. so set up with hoists and beds and equipment that designed yeah. to care for her and christine can she look forward to a long and lovely life like there's no she's not going to pass early because of this disease or they don't know that either the doctor originally told me that she should live a normal lifespan, but okay. I think yeah. I think that she's deteriorated over the years. So mm. the answer is I don't know. But but really, you know, we don't know yes. what's in store for any of us. So I just that's exactly my, right. My philosophy is to keep loving her and and spending the yes. time with her as long as I've got her. And you know, yes. I I think. I owe it to her to live the best life that I can and I decided yes. when I was in the state election that I would I could wake up happy or I could wake up sad. So I decided yes. that I'd live the best life that I possibly could because it's not going to make any difference to her. Like she knows yeah. she knows if I'm sad, like when I'm crying or whatever, yes. you know, she looks at me like, you're right there, mummy. <laughs> So, so I might as well wake up happy and live the best life yeah. that I possibly can because that's the best thing that I can do for both of my girls. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and not, so not be defined by the disability, like you said. Exactly, exactly. I want to know, Christine, why you decided to write a book about something so close to your heart. So I, I decided well, – I decided that I didn't want to be defined by the disability. I've been asked to stand in the yeah. election and I figured that, you know, I have a, had a Master's of Business Administration, Bachelor of Science, and I wanted to be able to use my skills and abilities. So I decided 
that the way to, you know, use their skills and abilities was to find a way. So I was hanging out with yeah. in business and yeah. I heard that saying you are the average of the five people you hang around with. I didn't believe it yeah. at the and yeah, yeah. I started hanging around with people in business and in politics. And then yeah. I met Natasha Demon, who's a 48-hour author. Yes. And I went to one of her workshops and it went from there. So I, I met Natasha, you know, through hanging around with business people. And then when it came yes. to launching my book, I'd given a copy to the then Federal Disability Minister, Mitch Fifield, and he actually launched the yeah. book. And looking out at the audience, they were all business people and politicians, and I was like, that's really true. It is true, <laughs> which are the five people you hang yes. around. So I'd say to yes. people, if you want to get somewhere, look around at who you're hanging around with. Yeah. But the, the, so I went away for 48 hours and that was a, a watershed, an absolute watershed for me because it was the first time that I'd left Imogen for that length of time. Prior to that, I would like, it, for the carers who are listening, they can probably relate, but it's like running here, running there, running, running, running. Yes. And, you know, watching the clock, always yes. watching the clock. So the longest I'd left Imogen would, would have been three hours and this time I was going away for a whole 48 hours, for a whole weekend, still in Melbourne, and I got there and I'd been there two hours and we were doing a little bit of work and there was a phone call. We're at the house but we can't get in, we can't find the keys. <laughs> so this <laughs> was all set up and everything just kind of, it's like, ah, oh, now what? The best laid plans. Yeah, but the thing is that, I, as, as a carer, I had backup after backup after backup. And, yeah. and I, had the, I had the support worker looking in the garden for a spare set of keys and she couldn't find them. <laughs> and then my other daughter came along and she goes, oh, your other daughter's here. So I really <laughs> saved the day. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. I uh, think that. I was on that same retreat that you were on as one of Natasha's support people. Um, I think it was the same retreat. Uh, it was um, 2014. Hmm. That's a long time. No, it wouldn't have been. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, I wrote my book through Natasha's program as well, um, so I know about those retreats. And um, it, it, it's incredibly good to hear that about the backup plans back up the backup the backup plans the backup the backup plans because you can't really leave things to chance where Imogen's concerned because she's so reliant on the rest of the world and her mom for yeah. everything to do with her so um have you been able to get away since that retreat for you know a couple of days well, I say it was a watershed, and I also think that you need to take little steps if you if you yes. care. You take little steps. Like people say, "How do you do this?" and "How do you do that?" and I say, "Well, it didn't happen just immediately. It takes time to get supports in place around your child." And it it was a yes. practice run because I ended up taking Auraria, my older daughter, to Disneyland later on, and and by that <gasps> too difficult to take Imogen. So yes. uh, Imogen was here in Australia. So, yes, I have been able to get away. That's awesome. Now, the other thing that I wanted to talk to you about and let the audience know is about the program that we have in Australia called the NDIS. Would you like to explain about its uh, what it is, its inception and how you're involved? Because it's an amazing thing to be involved with and I'd really love the audience to know your involvement with this? So NDIS is National Disability Insurance and in 2006 when we, when I stood in the state election there was a group of people who were, who set up a political party with the purpose to speak, campaign for people with disabilities and carers and their part of their premise was what is now NDIS. So we were campaigning yeah. before it rolled in. It rolled in in 2013 with some juggling around in in our federal parliament. And what it means is that the person with a disability is supported 
to live the best life that they possibly can. So that's supported with money. So it's been a, a big radical shift in the way that people yes. in the way service providers provide those supports. So where previously as a carer, I would get five hours a month of somebody to come and sit with Imogen. And by the way, that five hours, I would have to do everything. So I'd have to do handstands and backflips. I'd have to you know, make sure that she was fed, changed in bed. And those support workers would come and sit on my couch and watch TV <laughs> while I got well, yes. you ran around ragged getting all the things you needed to do done in that little amount of time that they were there to sit on the couch. That's right. And, and you changed that. So, for, yeah, with NDIS, you changed. Yeah, so NDIS changed. It means that Imogen gets the support now. So the support's around her. So that means that they do more things. For example, now they feed her. So, she, so she's fed, peg fed directly to the stomach and she's hoist lifted and so, and, you know, she has continence aids, things like that. So now they actually do a lot of those things for her, which meant that I, I can be away longer and it also means that I don't do handstands and backflips. But I also should say that, as I said, you know, the 48-hour the book was a watershed, yeah. was a, a small step. I don't think that you can just do it I don't think you can just go away overnight in one step. Like it, it's a it's a process yeah. because I had to let yeah. go. I had to organise things. But that's important too, letting go and delegating some of those decisions. I got elected to council and that was also something yeah. that forced me to let go because mm-hmm. previously, you know, I'd managed everything around her care but now I had to be sitting at council in their time yes. around images. Yes. Um, feed times or medication times. So it was a good lesson in delegating those things. And it's it's not easy. It's not easy. No. So if you're listening, don't be hard on yourself, but do make those decisions. Do take the steps to get somebody else. Because it's also apparent to me that if I fall over, if I don't have backups or if I don't have other yes. people after Imogen, if I get hit by the yeah. bus, then she's high and dry. Yeah, 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 because she's completely reliant on you. So if something happens to you, that really impacts on Imogen. So um, the whole concept of the National Disability Insurance Scheme was to make sure that those with disabilities were supported and looked after in the first instance, which mm. then allows their carers, mothers, fathers, whoever's doing the carer, it allows them some flexibility around their life. And that's the way it should be. We should never have been um, expecting that just because you have a child with a disability, it all falls on you. In Australia, it's been about embracing the carers and making sure that the person with disability is looked after and Mm -hmm. then our carers are free to look to look after themselves and continue the care for these valuable wonderful people within our society so christine um i've put system but it's better than it was a lot better than it was yeah yeah um so if people want to know more about what you do and who you are they can jump onto your website would you like to tell the audience your website details please so it's www www.christinestow.com.au. So now I want to help other people who who have been afflicted by or challenges with disability or illness or maybe they're at the end of their careers and don't know where to go, what to do. So I want to help other women especially who think that, you know, they can't have a life. I want to, I want people to know that you can have a life, that it is possible to dream, yeah. and then step it out and make that, yeah, make that a reality. Christine, thank you so much. We're down to our last couple of minutes. I really appreciate you coming on and being so open in talking about your gorgeous daughter Imogen, her struggles and your struggles, and what 
you've been able to achieve in the last um, six years in particular since you wrote the book. Um, it's an incredible um, uh, it's incredible to be able to share your story with the listeners across Australia and America today. And just a reminder, listeners, I've popped up all of the details of how to connect with Christine, where you can download one chapter of her book and then get the rest of her book. And she loves to be available to help anyone who's listening, who's struggling with those um, being a carer for someone. Um, Christine knows what that looks like firsthand. And um, Christine, what's your best email if people want to email you? Christine at christinestow.com.au Fantastic. I'm going to pop that in the chat box for everyone today. But wonderful listeners, we are actually out of time and it's been a very fast moving show indeed. Again, I'm really appreciative that um, Christine could jump on the show at such short notice and fit Radio Tony into her busy life. Um, We have been doing some other shows together and I'm just really blessed to get to know Christine at this level and get her message and the disability message out to the greater world. So wonderful listeners, this is the end of the show this week. Thank you, Christine, for coming on. It was wonderful to have Simone back on. And listeners, I'll be back next week for a special Christmas show with lots of different bits and pieces in it for you to enjoy. And that's it for this week. Thank you, Christine, and over to you, Rebel. Radio Tony, your safe space for tough conversations. Exposing secrets and talking about trauma and recovery. Radio Tony, a platform for the unheard. Radio Tony, with Tony Lontis, author of Resilience, memoir of a broken little girl discovering a woman of strength and beauty. Radio 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 Tony. Available now on Amazon.com and in all good bookstores. Radio Tony. Back next Thursday from 7pm Eastern Standard Time, live from the Gold Coast, Australia. Mama.